Welcome to Better Money, a show that points an x-ray at folks driving capital and driving change, people working for better money. I'm Jefferson Smith, and I come from the nonprofit world. And I'm Noelle Brown, and I come from the for-profit world. Noelle, who we got today? Today, we're joined by Lindsay Murphy. Welcome. Hello. Lindsay's the founder of the Fab Lab with Crazy Aunt Lindsay, YouTube's number one kids science web series. That said... We'd love to hear more about your background. What's the origin story, Lindsay? Yeah, so um, I started my, I put in air quotes, career career um, really early in life. I was um, 15 years old at the Fashion Institute of Technology, and by the time I was 19, I was working at MTV Networks helping to build video on demand. Um, and then fast forward six years, I'm the director of business development at a semi-large ad agency in New York, making all kinds of money and having all the friends and all the fancy things that I thought um equated to success. And uh, <laughs> very quickly, I realized that uh, lo- there was so much more to life. I just didn't know what it was. So I quit my job, walked away from health insurance and a very beautiful apartment in suburban uh, Montclair, New Jersey. And I went on a journey to figure out who I am. And because I don't come from a family that can support um an adult child, you know, finding themselves, you know, I had to do something to make sure that I had enough income coming in so that I could, you know, pay whatever bills that I needed, uh, needed to pay. And so uh, to help resolve that, I took care of children, I babysat, Uh, there were a few families in, um, in the New Jersey and New York area that trusted me with their kids. And uh, because I'm the person that I am, again, having a background in marketing and development, I literally did a SWOT analysis. Do you remember SWOT analysis? Yes, like a strengths, S-W-O-T. weaknesses, opportunities. Uh, yeah, totally. And I literally was like, how can I be the best babysitter that ever lived? Um, and one of the things that I came up with was, you know, really kind of like not allowing kids to just be plopped down in front of a television after school and after homework, but really engaging with them and making sure that they have something that, you know, the time that we've spent together, we've created something that the parents will ask about that the kids will be proud to show their families. And so I would make these little projects and these little um, snacks, these little things that the family could use and experience long after I had left. Um, And it just kind of kept, kept, you know, crazy Aunt Lindsay on on their lips. And uh, I was moving out of the town to move on with my you know my quote unquote again career career put in air quotes again um and one of the parents youtube was brand new one of the parents um said hey have you ever heard of youtube this is 2009 totally viable question and i'm like yeah i've heard of youtube and they're like you know you should make videos so the kids can see they're really going to miss you it'd be a great way to stay in touch and so a year later i had a little time and that's what i did so why is it working of the uh, say more about the progress you've made and uh, and and why you think it's working what's your secret sauce i think my secret sauce i don't know i always that's always such a weird question cuz it's it's suggesting that there's some secret to the sauce and there really isn't i think if i had to put words to it it probably is that i'm doing this because i genuinely care about my kids i don't i don't personally have children um you know i started the show as a result of being a babysitter i took very seriously the the kids that were in my life the families that trusted me with their children which to me is 
the most precious resource a person can give you, you know, personal one-on-one time with their kids. Like you could be a weirdo, you know? Um, And so when I think as I, as I create my show, when I make stuff for YouTube or for uh, social media, the first thing I'm thinking is how can I serve these parents and how can I be really leaning into these kids having the best time ever? I, I look at them as if they are kids that I will see tomorrow I look at them as if they're the kids that are actually in my life. And so I think when you get granular like that, when you when you make it personal, when it is personal, it's different and people can people can feel it. So based on that, uh, I'm sure that you have seen multiple iterations of your episodes, your show, everything else. And we all screw up. Have there been any epic fail moments for you? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> every, every up until recently every episode felt like an epic fail. <laughs> um I would probably say you know I I don't know hmm. I think the only epic fail that I can really lay claim to is waiting so long to make more um there was like a two or three year gap where I just stopped because I was really insecure about the project I was also on a personal journey I was living in New York I moved here to Portland um and I was doing the project in secret for a long time I mean the the project was genuinely for the parents and kids that I took care of it was for this 11 person email list of families that I babysat for it wasn't meant to be you know viral or whatever you know the words are that people attach to um this whole youtube ecosystem that's that's sort of percolating and developing or has been for quite a few years um it was meant for that but i feel like i probably could have done a better job um telling people about it showing people but i was really really insecure about it um and so just the time that it took for me to be to get to the point of like being proud of what i was making um took it took a lot. So that's my that's my epic fail. I mean, what I the stuff that I watch, I literally smile at every episode, even if I'm like, wow, that's crap. That's too long. <laughs> what was I even talking about there? Um, I smile at what I've created. And I just I wish that I had leaned into that feeling. I mean, you're the number one kid science YouTube channel right now. I mean, that's success in so many ways. Um, how do you get past that? imposter syndrome that you originally felt as people were saying these are so great and encourage you to do it in the first place how what what kind of ritual do you go through to be like yes i need to do this i don't know if it's a ritual um it really took at a certain point i had to pay attention to the fact that i didn't want to stop i had to pay attention to the fact that i was pretty literally self-sabotaging myself because keep in mind i was you know, I was working at Nike. I was working at Widening Kennedy. I was working with Xbox. Like I was, again, my career stuff, the stuff that people would pay me for. I was doing those things full time. And then part time in secret, I was making these little videos with the kids that were in my life. So the fact that I still did it, the fact that I was always thinking about projects, the fact that I was always trying to figure out ways that I could get kids involved, um, and was still going, even though I felt really insecure about it. At a certain point, I had to just be like, okay, Lindsay, who cares if it's bad? You love to do it. Just do it. And if you're going to do it, go 100%. Even if it's just for three months or six months, just go 100%. Like, no more of this half blank 
you know, <laughs> approach. You know, just right. go 100%. Was there a, if, was there a moment a was there a moment that it happened? Was it a prayer? Was it a walk? Yeah, was yeah. it a conversation? It was yeah, I was um I was home uh in my so my family is in New Jersey. I was home two Christmases ago um and it was the first quote-unquote vacation that I'd taken in quite a few years and I and I had the flu. I and I never get sick. I'm a little stuffy right now, but I never ever get sick. So the fact that I got home and Christmas day I'm like dead um my body just kind of shut down and I was working at Wyden and I thought I was very happy, but I knew that there was something that just wasn't right like in my in my personal like spirit in my mind i just knew that i wasn't going 100% at widen the way i could have um and so i'm sick and i'm thinking and i just sort of was questioning myself like why are you holding yourself back and the thing that kept coming back to me was crazy aunt lindsay is your thing like you are supposed to do crazy aunt lindsay and in my mind i was like yeah but i've been doing it for you know at that point 6 years nothing has happened and by nothing I mean you know Oprah hasn't found it yet and like decided to be the fairy godmother to the fab lab and give it a ball gown and then poof you know um but I just I kind of realized you know Lindsay you've been going like at quarter pace or half pace on this if you were to give yourself just a year to go 100% what would it look like um and I literally in my childhood bedroom sick as a dog laying on an air mattress I literally said to myself I am going to do this for one year. If December 31st, 2017 comes, because this is December 2016, and nothing has happened, and I've given it 100%, then I will finish the project. I will put it down. I won't have any regrets. I won't, you know, wonder what could have been, and I will move on. It'll be the, se- I love seven. Seven's a great year, uh, is a great number to me. I was like, I'll have done this for seven solid years. The last year would have been at 100% full throttle. You won't have to wonder, wish, you know, hope, regret, nothing. Um, and literally, as soon as I got back to Widen, like, legit, and I think I put something into the ether. I think I like energetically shifted the world because as soon as I got back, to widen my bosses sat me down and let me know that they had fired Verizon and that they were going to go through a round of layoffs and I was on the HRPR new business team sort of in the reason I knew a couple weeks before everybody else um, but I knew that this was coming down the pipeline and so they tell me this and so we're working on this whole thing a month later they're like hey we have these options for you either you can stay and do this job or you can go and take, you know, take this severance package and go do in the world what you know you're supposed to be doing. And I took the severance package. So I chose to leave Widen on the strength of the decision that I had made a month earlier that I was going to go 100%. And I knew that that was the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, opening up everything I needed to do what I had set out to do. Fabulous. And so question for you then is, from that point until now, you've been on this journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it seems as though you've had somewhat immediate success. I mean, some of these things can take a really long time to, to, to actually realize. But what does success look like for you down the road? Yeah, down the road, you know, I sort of um, jokingly at first, but as I as I march forward and just sort of acknowledging the very odd abilities that I've had to sort of call things into my life over the years, I I'm looking to build a billion dollar brand. I really think that this 
has the potential for that. Even if I if I were not the person that was doing this, if I were just a parent, if I were just a business developer, if I were just any other person and not myself, I would see the intersection of opportunity with this. Um, so I would love to see if it's even possible. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to build a billion dollar brand. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to create this thing. And so within that brand, what are some of the embedded values that when people associate and they, they look at your show or they speak with you, what are some of the immediate things that resonate for them? Yeah. Um, just complete care and consideration for the sacred space that is childhood. Um, I, you know, what I, what I've created is a kid science show, but the first two years of the show was called doing stuff with crazy Aunt Lindsay. It wasn't even the fab lab yet. It wasn't the fab lab until 2000, I don't know, 12, 2013 sometime. Um, and it was called doing stuff with crazy Aunt Lindsay because it was truly about a peripheral family member spending time and making the most of these, you know, two or three hours that you might have with a kid. And so, you know, I bring that to every single video, every, every project, everything. So yeah, I mean, I do that through the lens of science, but the heart really is about helping kids and their families make the most of their quality time. So Lindsay, you've created this show. You're creating this massive brand. Um, and I, I want to know what do people say to you when they object and they say, no, I don't know if that's really possible. How do you, how do you respond to that? Um, you know, no one, uh, it's interesting. I've never had anyone say "Mm, no, like (laughs) I, I feel like people get it. Uh, the biggest, the biggest like sort of thing that I get is, well, your audience, you know, where's your audience? And to me, you know, I've been doing this project for, you know, at this point, eight years. Um, I have 40 videos on my channel, 40. Now, if you think about how a quote unquote normal YouTuber behaves, I should be making 40 videos a quarter. I don't, but that's not the approach that I take. I also, like I said earlier, was doing this kind of in secret and I was doing it for a very small group of people, literally 11 people who I would send an email to once every few months. Um, And still somehow my audience went from those 11 people with no marketing, with no promotion, with very irregular video uploads, everything. Somehow I managed to get almost 100,000 people to the channel with zero I mean my videos didn't even have tags on them like the the titles of the videos up until probably 18 months ago in many cases was like whatever the upload file was like MOV 0277 whatever that was it but still somehow the audience came um and so when I go into meetings and people are like oh we love the concept we we love the idea we love you but your audience I'm like yeah but do you realize that I wasn't telling anyone about this like that, like to me, a hundred thousand people are a lot. But when you think about how a lot of these bigger brands operate, how these big production companies, um, they are always asking for more. They want more of an audience. So that has been one of the things that has been a little bit annoying to me because proof of concept to me, um, looks like, Hey, this person just put these things out there and somehow, you know, thousands of people found this and keep asking for more in 40 days was able to raise $60,000, you know, to do the fifth season, like somehow so there's something here. Um, so just always, always kind of feeling like I have to 
prove myself. Like there's always like, like, okay, we, we want to invest in you. We want to help you with this, but we just want to see a little bit more. It's like, how much more can I give you without any resources at all? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing that I, that I probably get the most. Um, but I also know that my audience loves the show. Like not only, they're not just out there. They know me, they love me, they want more. And my job is to just give them more by any means possible. You've talked about how certain people who are already interested in that sanctity of childhood and the importance of science all around us to be natural audience for you. In order to become a billion dollar brand, you're going to have to appeal to people who don't necessarily value those things. How do you make that shift? I just believe in humanity. I think the masses have been treated like the masses for a long time. I think the masses have been looked at through the lens of demographics and dollar signs. Um, And I get it. I worked in advertising for a long, long time. I understand. Like, believe me, I'm a business person. But I think that it's important to remember that our future is at stake. Uh, we have experienced, you know, I'm, you know, <clears throat> 30 something and I have personally experienced, you know, two recessions and one really horrifying experience at, you know, what came out of what, I don't know, Minnesota Enron. I've experienced personally what greed and disregard looks like when people are just seen as purses and, I just believe that humanity can do so much better than that. And that is how I choose to operate. Do you think we're at a turning point? Yes, I do. Absolutely. From where to where? From a really sick, broken place to a really healed place collectively. Let's let that sit and let's go to the rapid round. (laughs) Okay. And so quick questions mm-hmm. here. Piece of advice that inspires you. Um, piece of advice that inspires me is actually a lyric uh, from Nice by the Carters, Jay-Z and Beyonce. Um, this is from, Beyond, uh, excuse me, uh, from Jay-Z. He says, uh, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? I have no fear of anything. I do everything well. I have no fear of jail. I was born in the trap. I have no fear of death. We were all born to do that. Any other book that should be on our bookshelves? The Science of Getting Rich. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What's a factoid everyone should know? That you're awesome. And that's a fact. (laughs) I love it. And um, do you have any other quotes you try to live by? Run in such a way that you may win. That's 1 Corinthians 9.24. And is there something about you no one knows? No, I don't know that there is. I'm a pretty, <laughs> I'm a really uh, open book. I, I, I think the thing that most people are surprised to know, so I'm a huge animal lover and I love cats. I have a cat. Her name is Mommy's Baby and she absolutely hates me. <laughs> oh, she-, she hates my cats. <laughs> she tolerates my presence. Uh, well... The name of the show is Better Money. How would you define better money as it applies to your show? Better money. Can you can you expand on that? Sure. So 
money that drives capital that allows for positive change in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like having money because I get to, in I, I call it invest, but I will say pay for the services of really incredible creatives that just so happen to be women, that just so happen to be people of color. Um, I, I also do this thing, even with the little bit that I do have, uh, I have literally said to people who, who again tend to be specifically women and people of color who will quote me on something it'll be and I'll be like could don't don't do me any favors I want to pay you what you are worth and I want you to get into the habit of asking that from me um, because ultimately I want you to get in the habit of that uh, I think that money is energy and I choose to use that energy to expand sort of coffers that were previously restricted. Uh, and that is specifically in how women evaluate themselves and how people of color evaluate themselves. I will pay you top dollar, uh, but I will also expect uh the highest level of service and output from you. So if I expect highly of you, I will pay you what you're worth. Thanks so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. And thanks for spending time on Better Money. We also want to say thanks to our guests, our producers, and to the team of X-Ray FM here in Portland, Oregon. Thank you also to Phantom Sons for the theme music. And you can find all episodes of Better Money on xraypod.com and all the other places where you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or high fives to share, you can email us at bettermoney at xray.fm. Thanks to Amalia, Ruth, Will, Chase, and Miranda. And please do rate and review this podcast with five stars. It helps the show get noticed. And if there's someone who inspires you that we should interview, email us at bettermoney at xray.fm. 